So uh, we're going to have a Christmas message because we're going to talk about Jesus. Actually, we have Christmas messages year-round. Matthew 16. Now, just to kind of preface what we read, we're coming to a point in, in the Gospel of Matthew where uh, the Lord Jesus is going to start informing his disciples as to what is going to take place. He's going to let them know that he's going to die, be buried, and rise. And he makes emphasis of this. And it's kind of a turning point in the Gospel of Matthew. There is a lot before us here, and I'm not going to be able to cover all of it here even in the next two weeks. But we will begin with verse 13 through 16. So if you are able to stand, let's go ahead and stand together. Matthew 16, 16, verse 13 and 16. Okay, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But... Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. We pray that the Holy Spirit would empower the service. We're grateful for the good music, the congregational music. May you bless the special to come. Prepare our hearts to hear from you. I pray, Father, that you would help everybody in attendance to feel like the message is for them. I pray that our faith would be strengthened and that you would be glorified. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And it built a perception perception in your mind about that individual that it made it difficult for you to want to hang around them, and, uh, and maybe the time came when you did get to know them, you realized, wow, everything I heard is totally different than what I've experienced. You ever had that type of experience? Okay. We're going to kind of zero in on that thought here a little bit later, but The Lord Jesus goes into this narrative. He is uh, preparing himself now. He knows that the three-year ministry of miracles and preaching has come to an end. He is now getting to the... There will still be a few more miracles, but he is getting ready, preparing his own heart, preparing his disciples for the cross. And he asks this question in verse 13, and I repeat it because I've already read it, he looks at his disciples and he says, Whom do men say that I am? Now, there are two questions that are posed in this narrative. One of the questions is more important than the other. Well, we have to talk about both questions. Whom do men say that I am? And the disciples look at each other and they 
say, well, you know, I heard one individual say they thought you were John the Baptist. And of course, we read about that. King Herod thought that he was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Another one says, well, I, some of them think you're one of the prophets like Jeremiah or, Eli, or Isaiah or Elijah even. And they begin mentioning names and they give the Lord Jesus these answers concerning what other people think of him. Oh, I scratch my head when I study the Bible. I try, to, I try to ask why. Why would he ask that question? And I think there are numerous reasons, but I'll give just a couple. So, in regards to the disciples, were they being trained for the ministry, yes or no? They were being trained for the ministry. And let me ask you this, as a Christian, as a Christian, do you believe God has given you a ministry? Well, he has, whether you believe it or not. As a matter of fact, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. If you are saved, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have an ordained ministry already given by God to share the truth of the gospel to other people, to communicate the truth. That's, that's your ministry. It doesn't matter what your background is. If you're born again, uh, you get that responsibility. And so we have a ministry. Now, this is significant. So when the Lord says to the disciples, people, men, that he's training for the ministry, whom do men say that I am? Here's what come to my brain as to why he would ask such a question. I can't help people if I don't know where they're at spiritually. If I don't know your relationship with Christ, I, I, it's going to be difficult for me to help you. Are you hearing me? And the responses and answers I received from different people helped me. For instance, I talked to an individual, I think it was yesterday. Um, I said, uh, it was yesterday. I was handing out some gospel tracts, and the individual, I, I inquired, because we were socializing, and I said, now, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? That's a good question to think about. And the lady said, Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's a blessing. But just because they say, oh, yeah, does not necessarily mean their faith is in Jesus Christ. You understand that? You you can put your faith in a lot of things. You can put your faith in your own good works. You can put your faith in what your parents said about you. You can put your faith in what your preacher said about you or your priest said about you. You can put your faith in a lot of things and and rest your security on a lot of things. But let me just say, there is no greater security than the Word of God, the authority of the Bible. And so I asked the dear lady, I said, hey, that is awesome that you, you feel that way. Could you tell me how you know? No, no, I, with her, I did it like this. And usually I don't. I said, did you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior? And she said, oh, I do it every day. Every day. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I, and, and, and I'm, I'm hoping in my heart that she really does. No reason to lie. But I did have some good news to just kind of assure her. The beautiful thing about our relationship with Christ at salvation is once we call and mean it, he keeps us. 
we no longer have to call on him for salvation anymore. Now, we may need to confess some of our own sins just for relationship, for fellowship, so to speak, but not, not for eternal security because it's in his blood. I, my sins are covered in his blood. I'm getting to heaven because of his righteousness, not mine. You know, and so I just uh, left her with that. But I had another gal I talked to that uh, she said, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe. And matter of fact, she was getting ready, and I didn't know anything about this. She was getting ready to go to a festival or a service for the Lady of Guadalupe. Have you heard of that? Okay. I had not heard of that, but she was excited about that very sharp lady. And I'm going to come back to her in just a little bit. But one of the reasons, one of the reasons I think the Lord inquired of the disciples as to why, do you know what people say of me? Because we as Christians ought to be able to detect the spiritual climate of those around us. We need to if we're going to help them. It shouldn't be enough that, well, little Susie goes to church and that's a good thing. No, what does she think of Jesus? That's where it stands. Because do you all realize that going to church does not get you to heaven? It doesn't. Well, Tommy was christened. He could have been drunken as far as I, I don't know, christened. That's, only Jesus can get us into heaven. And it's very important that we as believers who know the Bible understand. Whom do men say that he, Jesus, the Son of Man is? Well, I'm pretty aware of what our culture is saying. I'm pretty aware of what a lot of the even public school system is saying. And our media is saying. And for some, he's, a, he's the infant in the, in the Bethlehem manger, in the nativity. For some, yeah, he's the one who died on the cross, but is that enough? You see, the answer that they gave was a complimentary answer. Now, when those disciples told Jesus, well, some say you're John the Baptist, do you think those people, when they said that, were trying to be mean? I don't think so. They were certainly misinformed. When some of them said, Jeremiah... Do you think they were trying to be mean? No, not at all. I think their answers represent a compliment. The problem is it wasn't the truth because that's not who Jesus, the Son of Man, really was. He's God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so this question is very important. But it leads us to the next question. So they answer the Lord Jesus, and we come to verse 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I would pose to you that is more important than the first question. Because if I am not taken care of spiritually, I can't take care of anybody else spiritually. Are you hearing me? If I'm not on the rock of salvation, it's going to be difficult to pull somebody else on the rock of salvation. If I'm in the same quicksand they are, we're not going anywhere. And so the question the Lord Jesus poses now, 
as he looks at his disciples in the eyeball, who do you say that I am? Now, they've been with him for a while. They ought to know. And so, I'll give you a couple reasons why I believe the Lord asked that question. I think they're pretty obvious. One of the reasons was this. I just want to know if you've been persuaded by popular opinion. If your view of me is the same as their view of me. Now, that... Can people be persuaded by the crowd? Can good people be persuaded by the crowd? Can good people be persuaded by social media? Well, they sure can. The crowd can influence us. Even if you know the Bible, the crowd can influence you. Well-meaning people can influence us. But if they're lost... They're going to have a difficult time influencing us for the truth. Now I go back to the young lady. I won't mention her name. Sharp gal. Sharp gal uh, talking to her. I believe Jeremiah was with me when I was talking to her. <clears throat> so uh, I had handed her a gospel track. I had asked that question, do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? And she said, she paused, and she, yeah, I think so. And then I asked, well, why? What gives you that confidence? And that's when she said, well, I'm going to a service to honor Our Lady of Guadalupe tonight. And you know what I said? That's it. You're in, obviously. Anybody that would do that has to be saved. Anybody that would do that has to be born again, bought by the blood of Christ, because... Yeah, that's the way I felt in my brain. I had to, I had to put the bridle on. So <clears throat> I said, you know, I, I'm just I'm not real familiar with Our Lady of Guadalupe. I said, but I am familiar with the Bible. And uh, I said, so, uh, but what you're telling me is, you uh, you believe that this service is going to get you to heaven? She says, well. You know, I, my family and I, we go to church. We go to church regularly, she says, and we give. We are involved. She said, uh, it's a Catholic church. She said, we're, we're very active. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, I'm not knocking those things. I'm not knocking the, the fact of being in church and all that. I think that is awesome. But honest to goodness, let's be serious here. Let's be dead serious. We don't get to heaven by going to church, and we don't get to heaven by good works. And if those things were the means of getting to heaven, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross and shed his blood for our sins? And then if you say, well, I believe that Jesus did that for my sins, but I also believe this. Well, then how much of the blood of Christ uh, determines you get to heaven, and then how much of your works get to heaven? Well, you know, I think like 50-50. So you're saying you're devalu devaluing the blood of Christ. It's only worth 50% of your salvation. And your works, you're saying, has as much weight, much value as Jesus' suffering. Jesus, virgin-born, perfect human being who gave his life, fully gave his life for us and died on that cross. You're saying that your good works are as valuable as his blood? Now, I didn't say all that to her. <laughs> 
I didn't say all that. I want to be gracious, and I really want to help people, but I wanted to give her something to think about. Because I did ask her, I said, I said, so you, you believe then, because I wanted to try to understand her, and here I am, I'm a stranger knocking at the door, she's getting ready for our Lady of Guadalupe, and I, I'm imposing on her time. I am fully aware of that, and so I'm trying to be very kind, very hospitable on my end, and I'll leave at any moment if she says get out of there. But she was very cor- uh, cordial and uh, sociable. So we continued to talk. And Jeremiah was with me. He could testify. This is, it was a good conversation. And uh, <clears throat> I just I asked her, I said, well, so what do you make of Jesus dying on the cross? And how much is that, do you believe that determines your salvation? Or do you believe the other? And if not, what's, what's the balance here? Which one holds the weight? You know, she never did really answer me. <laughs> It was at that point she got busy. And we'd talked a while. And I just said, thank you for your time. I really appreciate your time. And we walked on. But there's a gal who believed the wrong thing about Jesus because she was told by others. Now, unfortunately, As far as I know, she hasn't made a decision for the Lord. In my heart, I believe she heard truth and something to think about. But if you and I were to die in that condition without fully putting our trust in Christ, where are we going to spend eternity when we die? That's right. That's a pretty serious question. Jesus looks at his his disciples. Well, who do you think I am? I know good men. I know good men in church. I know good ladies who'd served in churches that taught the Bible who, who at this point in their lives, I'm not kidding, they can justify homosexual behavior. Now listen, it's sin. It's an abomination. I believe they can get saved. But how you can go from a church like this to that in your mind, how's that happen? Are you hearing me? And how the crowd can influence us. Social media can influence you. And you get enough voices harping in your ear and touching your heart you'll begin to question what you believe to be true at one time. So Jesus says, okay, you know what men think of me, but what do you think of me? They think I'm a good man. They think I'm a prophet, but what do you think of me? You, I've been with you three years. I've walked on water. I've gave sight to the blind. You've seen thousands fed with a few loaves of bread and a few fish there. You've seen lepers healed. Oh, listen, you've seen demons flee. You've heard the word of God from heaven uh, with authority from heaven. Who do you say that I am? That's the question that needs to be really answered. The most important thing you and I need to know is where we stand with Christ. Am I saved? Now listen, it's one thing to know the spiritual condition of others, but it's a totally other thing to know my own spiritual condition. And my spiritual condition is based, this is a profession initially. It is a profession. 
He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up boldly. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on the authority of God's Word, he speaks the truth. He speaks the truth theoretically, theologically. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is theologically correct in the Bible, and it is also commended by the Lord Jesus Christ in the very next verse. The Lord Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Verse 17, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So, <clears throat> Peter gives the right answer. And the reality is here. A true profession will not be ashamed and will reveal. It, it does two things. A true profession does. Number one, when Jesus asked Peter, or asked all the disciples, who do you say that I am? I think every one of us need to understand, if we believe in Jesus, we should not be ashamed to testify about it. Let me give you some other uh, complimentary scriptures. Okay. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, and I believe it's verse 12. I may be one verse off. It says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. In Matthew 10, 32, it says, uh, Jesus said, uh, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father, which art in heaven. In uh, Romans 10, 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be a Shamed. Jesus says, uh, who do you say that I am? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. A plus. Check for you. Blessed art thou, Simon of Barjona. For flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. It also says something else. It is obvious Peter responded to the voice of Within, God spoke to him and revealed the truth, and Peter acknowledged it. That's true. You are the Christ. I look at every human being. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the true light that lighteth every man. Listen, it doesn't matter if they call themselves Islam, Buddhist, or Hindu. The Word of God tells us Jesus is the true light that lighteth every man. Now, you can believe that or you can reject that. That's up to you. I just know from personal experience, and I'll, I'll accept the authority of God's Word, and I also believe it is possible for us to receive light and reject light. Are you hearing me? It's possible to receive the truth and reject the truth because you know what? I've done it. Uh, let me ask you, have you ever sinned? Well, here, did you ever sin and you knew you were sinning? Yeah, one time. <laughs> well, you knew you were sinning. What were you doing? You, you sinner? You were rejecting the truth. So it is possible. And there are some people that have stiff-armed the Lord to, to the degree that he says, well, I, 
I am the true light that lighteth every man, but some people can push it away far enough to, according to Romans 1, their hearts are filled with darkness now, and they're not thankful. And that darkness leads to all kinds of... By the way, belief affects behavior. It does. Belief affects behavior. And that's why people who do not know Christ their Savior and do not walk in the light, that's why things are so morally perverse in our society. A society that was once known as a Christian society that is barely evident now. Barely evident. So, Jesus says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter answers correctly. Now, the life-changing answer. It did something. It, uh, it separated Peter from the crowd. That answer that Peter gave, no, I said, number one, it, 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 uh, it revealed what God gave him, that he agreed and he accepted it. But I, I didn't mention this. It also, by him saying, thou art the Christ, the Son of God, he was saying, those other people that believe you're John the Baptist and Jeremiah and one of the prophets and Elijah, they're wrong. That's what he was saying. They're wrong. And uh, <clears throat> by him doing that, it, it created a separation in their stance and their view of Christ. Peter's answer proved he had not been influenced by the crowd. Peter's answer proved that being close with Jesus gave him a better understanding of Jesus. See, what was the difference? I think uh, it doesn't take a theologian to figure this out. Who was spending more intimate time with the Lord Jesus Christ, the crowd or Peter and the disciples? Well, yeah. And it is fortunate that they could be that close to Christ at least 11 of them, that close to Christ and know the opinion of the crowd but not be influenced by the opinion of the crowd and give the right testimony. And therein, ladies and gentlemen, therein is, a, is the key to our own strength and understanding. That's what keeps us on the right track. Our closeness to Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with Him, through the reading of His Word, through the listening to preaching, through the meditating on His truths, through our own prayer life, spending time in praise. And the fact of the matter is, look up! This is God's creation. There is a Creator. Look up! And I'm here to tell you, as we spend time setting our affection on things above, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, it helps strengthen our own uh, walk, and it helps enlighten and broaden our understanding of Jesus. I mean, the disciples were with Jesus three years, and they still, I mean, you've got to remember, Jesus is God. That means he is infinite, and he is ministering to finite people with limited understanding and abilities. And so their capacity to grasp who he was, it I'm so glad our Lord's patient. 
He's patient with us. He was patient with them. But as he spent time with him, he continued to reveal who he was. Remember when they're on that, when he, when he uh, <coughs> calms the storm on a couple different occasions, he calmed uh, the storm while they were in this uh, uh, boat that they felt it was going to get tipped over. They were all going to drown. And he just spoke the word, and the, the wind stopped, and the waters calmed down. And they looked at him, and they said, uh, Truly thou art the Son of God. You're no mortal, man. There's a whole lot more to you than skin, flesh, and blood. And so they were learning him, and he wanted them to know who he was. He was man, 100% man, but it did not hinder the fact that he was 100% God in flesh as well. Yeah. Now, Peter's answer proved that he listened to God and believed. I'm going to take a moment here. Jesus says, uh, the Father revealed that to you. I don't know where you were at when you got saved, and I don't know your, some of you I'm familiar with your testimony, but if you got saved, you did it the same way the rest of us did. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you wept, whether you laughed, whether you whispered, whether you said a silent prayer, or whether just in your heart you just believed on the Lord. Uh, God knew it. God's Spirit knows how to validate that to our spirit. But if it happened, it's because the God revealed it to you, and you responded. I believe every time we assemble together, God has something for his people. Every time we assemble together, God has something for his people, and some people, some people get it, and some people don't. Some people ate too much pizza the night before, stayed up too late watching movies, and they're in church, and God bless you, I'm glad you're here, but it's difficult for you to stay awake, I understand. And then some people are so preoccupied about what you're going to do after church, you can't get anything uh, from the church service. I mean, you're here, you might as well get something out of it, you know? You might, we got the Bible open, let's learn. God, speak to me. The Bible is open. What do you, what do you have for me? Is God speaking to you? That's the question. Now, I'm going to... I didn't plan on going this far with this, but I need to. <laughs> it's going to sound like I am knocking Brother Peter here, but I'm telling you, I, I feel like I can relate to Peter in his uh, sticking his foot in the mouth. Does anybody feel like they can relate to the Apostle Peter? I got a few of you. I can, Paul, Paul is way above me. He's way out of my league. But now, Peter, there's a fellow that I can relate to. Uh, Peter, I want you to let down your nets, plural, for a draft. But, Lord, we've tarried all night long and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down my net. Singular. You haphazard Christian, you. Boy, did he learn a lesson. 
You see, it's one thing for you and I to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God in this crowd. I don't have a problem here. We all agree. And even if we don't, you're outnumbered. (laughs) This is our crowd. Those of us who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, welcome to your crowd. Amen? This is our crowd. Now, if we go some places in California, we might get out of our crowd. (laughs) There are certainly some places in our country that we wouldn't feel around our crowd. You walk downtown New Orleans during Mardi Gras, you would not feel like you're in your crowd. I hope you wouldn't. Uh, This is our crowd, and I have no problem testifying that. But wait a minute. Let's take an element of our crowd and drop them off in the Middle East. Let's drop them off there in, uh, let's say, Saudi Arabia. Let's drop them off there with the Taliban. Taliban. I'm, sounds like a donut is what that sounds like to me. Or would you like a Taliban? A cream-filled Taliban right here. <coughs> uh, they ought to make one like that. You can eat it. So, but no, seriously, can you imagine? Okay, you, we're familiar with the atrocities that they're responsible for. Can you imagine being dropped off there and then somebody says, uh, what think ye of Jesus? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, or, uh, uh, e, or uh, okay, I'm going to pick on Joel. I haven't picked on Joel in a while, and I, I've got to. I'm only doing it because he did it to himself. He did it to himself, and I'm trying to remember who was interviewing him, if it was CNN or uh, MSNBC or one of those. What's that? I'm trying to remember the reporter. The guy's got big, boofy hair. He wears the glasses. He's an older guy. Larry King. That was it. You can look this up. So I'm not telling anything that's not on there. Larry King was interviewing Joel Olstein. He was interviewing him, and Larry King said, looked him right in the eye and directly said, so you believe, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying people, innocent people, good people, Jewish people would die and go to hell if they don't believe like you? Wait a minute, it's easy to throw them under the bus. Better put yourself there. It's unfortunate, though, because to whom much is given, much is required. He gave a heretical answer. A heretical answer. Well, I, I think there are a lot of ways... I'm getting out of there. Lightning's coming down. 
I think it was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. There is no other way. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus says to you in school, when you're around all kinds of people who have all kinds of strange beliefs, some think they're donkeys and cats and cows and mules and all of that, All kinds of Jesus said, uh, who do you say that I am? I, son, who do you say that I am? I'm telling you, it's not as easy, but God bless everyone who says, I've been there, and it's not easy, but I made it clear, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the Christ. That means the Messiah, the promised one the Savior of the world, not just the Jews, uh, the Anointed One. He is the Son of God, implying He is God in flesh. I believe that's who He is, not just in this crowd, but in the other crowd. And I say, dear Peter, hey, he calls it right theologically, does he not? But everybody in this room that knows their Bible is fully aware the day would come. The day would come when Jesus would be taken into custody. The day would come when Jesus would be scourged and mocked and interrogated. The day would come as Jesus is going through that. It's a chilly evening and Peter's there by a fireside not far. Well, it says he followed afar off. And he's by a fireside and there are other people around. And there's, there's some young ladies around the fire. And young ladies around the fire during this time where Jesus is no longer popular. During this time where Jesus is getting scourged. During this time where, oh, any, uh, if you had association with, association with Jesus now, that was not the end thing. And here Peter is wondering what's going to take place. And this little lady across the fire says... Weren't you with that guy from Galilee? Can you hear the voice of Jesus speaking to Peter? Who do you say that I am now? Are you hearing me? Who do you say that I am now? You see, it's one thing to have it theoretically, theologically. It's another thing to have it deep down in your heart. Now, trust me, Jesus, Peter got converted. He got born again. He, he got it. We know he did. But just because you can say it here, do you really have it? Is he a real person in your life that you've received? Because he is Christ, the Son of God. I'll close with this story. We had, uh, well, I can tell, Mike and Cindy Haley were with us a few weeks back, missionaries to Botswana, Africa, and had a great time fellowshipping with them. We stayed here after that Wednesday night service till 11 o'clock at night. <coughs> Just yak, 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 yak. And it was fun. I like it when the conversation leads a certain direction. And so... Uh, <coughs> We talked, and he did share a story 
about a preacher friend that we both know and love dearly. And he said, this preacher, who's an older man who's retired now, had called him because he was taking a sabbatical. You remember the story? He said, well, you were talking to Cindy and I was listening to Mike. He said, uh, he said, he calls me and says he's taking a sabbatical and wants to come. At that time, Mike was in Romania. He says, I want to come out there and visit you. Mike looked at me and said, Brother Merv, I was mortified because though I respected him, he seemed so formal and rigid in public that I and Cindy looked at each other and thought, what are we going to do when he gets here? It's going to be awkward because he didn't seem like he would be that guy that could loosen up and socialize and that sort of thing. And they were nervous. And so he says, okay, brother. I, I'm not going to say his name. And so <laughs> during the time that elapsed from when they got the call till he arrived, he said it was tense in their house getting ready for him because they didn't know. He just seemed like a stickler and just like it would be difficult to please him. He said, Brother Merv, you're not going to believe this. I had this mindset, and he said I'd had it for years. Both of us, Cindy and I, both had this mindset of him. He said he and his wife arrive, and he said they're old enough to be our grandparents. He said, they arrive, he said, and they spent two weeks with us. And he said, he rolled on the floor playing with my kids. She was a, she, she had a great sense of humor and liked to cut up. And, and we had such a great time. He said, Brother Merv, when it was time for them to go, we didn't want them to go. He said, I could not, I could not believe it. And I looked at him and I said, my wife and I had the same experience. I love them. It was awesome. They're awesome people. It was just their demeanor, his demeanor, you know, in public. So, but to get to know them. And I'm here to tell you, you want to be strong when it's difficult you want to be faithful and true to the Son of God when He's not popular? Let me tell you, it starts right now by your time with Him. Witness His ways. Remember His mercies. Learn His word. Walk with Him and talk with Him. Oh, by the way, He said if you work with Him... He'll work with you as well, and you'll learn as you work with him. Do you remember Matthew 11? I think it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, he says. And I will give you rest. We actually learn of Jesus when we serve Jesus and try to be a blessing to others. We learn of him. And the more you learn of him, friend the more convinced you'll be thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Father, bless the message. Minister to our hearts. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your holy word, your truth that allows us to decipher error as well as receive guidance and and instruction for our own lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, allow me to ask a couple questions. I want to be able to pray for you correctly. Yes, those who are going to be baptized can get ready. Um, If there's somebody here this morning who'd say, Preacher, I do not know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not certain I will go to heaven. If that's you, I would like to pray for you. If you'd lift your hand so I can see it, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that at this time as I look around? Lift your hand. Yes, God bless you. Are there any others that would say, Preacher, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there any others that say, Preacher, that's me. I just, in my heart, I don't know that I'll go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm just not sure I will go to heaven. Pray for me. Are there others that would say, that's me? I'm not sure. Pray for me. Are there any others as I look around? I'm going to pray for those who have raised their hand. I want to do this, though. I want to at least give you opportunity. If you're uncomfortable with it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But I want to ask you, just those of you that raised your hand, would you look at me for a moment? Just, just those of you that raised your hand. If I could have somebody show you from the Bible how you could be certain heaven would be your home, would you be willing to take a look at that with a nod of your head, yes or no? Would you be willing to take a look at that? If you could know in your heart, you saw the scripture, you knew what you needed to do, would you be willing? Would you be willing to take a look at that? Okay. Would you be willing? Okay. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an invitation. We're going to have people praying and uh, you do as the Lord leads, but <clears throat> I'm going to stand up here. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'll be up here to pray with you. And I certainly would encourage our teachers, deacons, uh, our people to come pray and ask the Lord to bless this invitation and help people and be an encouragement. But you do as the Lord leads. During this invitation, if you want to slip out of your seat and meet me, I'll be right up here. If not, that is no problem. You do as the Lord leads. Father, bless our invitation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.